pray together. Father God, thank you for a beautiful day to be in your house. Call on the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. I give you thanks and praise. Amen and amen and amen. Thank God. All right. We're looking in our Bible to the book of Hebrews this morning. Again, if you're not familiar, and I certainly wasn't when I first came to the Bible and to church, to God, I didn't know any of the books of the Bible. No locations, nothing. So Revelation is the last book. You can work your way backwards a little bit. and You will come to Hebrews. That should help you. And I'm turning to Hebrews chapter 8. There's 13 chapters. We're going to chapter 8. Very nice to see each and every one of you. And you're in a place where you will be loved and appreciated. And we're just happy to have you here. Hebrews chapter 8 this morning. And let's look at verse 5 who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, or the church house in the Old Testament. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Now just a chapter over, chapter 9, I'd like to turn your attention, if you would, to verse 23. 9 and 23. It was therefore necessary, everybody said necessary, necessary, that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heaven, heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Everybody said praise the Lord. That'll leave you a little scratch in your head, but I'll try to help you out, okay? You'd be seated. The Lord bless you. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, and there are 27 in the New Testament. We often teach that a simple way to work that out in your mind is that 3 times 9 is 27. 39 in the Old, and 3 times 9 is 27 in the, in the New. So that kind of helps you out. You add them all together, you get 66 books in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And we believe all of those books and every word contained within. No exception whatsoever. I want you to understand that, of course, in the beginning, God, Genesis 1 and 1. And as God began to create everything, speak everything into existence, and history was being made. And then God used Moses to record that history and to uh, introduce him to the world at large. And so Moses did, as he said in the beginning, God. And he began to tell what took place. And then the Bible uh, teaches us, of course, one of the main things we learn about is a fellow by the name of Noah and how that God was fed up with everything that was going on. And he said he was going to destroy the earth, because the imagination of men's hearts was continuously evil. And so God wanted to cleanse the earth, and so he, he brought something they had never seen before. He brought rain. Uh, the earth had been watered from a mist from beneath. And so man had never seen rain, and they didn't even probably understand the word. 
as Noah, a preacher of righteousness, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, uh, began to obey God and build an ark, which was a, a prototype for the modern-day super tankers that take oil from one end of this globe to the other. And so uh, as Noah did that, he and his family, eight souls, they were ridiculed greatly, made fun of, because nobody understood, nobody had seen rain, and nobody believed Noah, the preacher of righteousness outside of his family, the eight. And uh, shadows and types are many, the, or in other words, everything in the Old Testament is a preview, and it is what's called a shadow and a type, and it's uh, showing us something of things to come. And so the ark is a type of the church, the body of Christ. And everybody on that ark came in through one door, and of course Jesus said that he is the door. So you begin to compare your old with your New Testament. Everything that was shown in a shadowy way was brought clear to light in the New Testament. And so Jesus is the door. He made that clear. And he's, that's the only way in. You cannot go another way, at least as far as the Spirit of God is concerned. You can do whatever you want to do, but the time will come when you will pay the ultimate and eternal price for doing your own thing. We must all realize what we read this morning, that word, necessary. There are things that, with God that are necessary. For an example, he said that we must be born again of water and of the Spirit, or we cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. That flesh and blood cannot inherit the things of God, cannot inherit the heavenly things. So again, we come, we're going to come up against a wall here, uh, if we don't get in line with the way God said it had to be done. He has certain patterns, certain laws, commandments, and rules that he, being the lawgiver, set out to employ in, in the earth. Okay, and so here we have uh, Noah. The rain has come. People laughed and mocked until they were standing on the highest point, and then the water began to go higher than the highest point. And uh, so that's pretty high because I believe we do have mountains, a, at least a mountain that is pretty close to uh, five miles or six miles high. And so somebody was standing up there on their tiptoes, <laughs> and, and here comes the water still going higher yet. And um, meanwhile, the church, the ark that everybody chose to ignore and maybe said that they were too dogmatic or too, too doctrinally oriented or too, too straight, uh, or whatever other criticisms they came up with. Uh, they, some of our young kids were out yesterday doing outreach uh, all over Belgrade, and then they, we went over and did a, a, different, a big area over in uh, West Palm area. And one of the places, among others, that they went to was uh, outside of Home Depot. And um, some guy came, was on his way in, and he was offered an invitation, and he said, no, I don't want that. He said, what you're doing is illegal. I'm thinking murder's illegal. You know, drugs are illegal. Abuse is illegal. And many other such things. But giving somebody an invitation to church, I don't think that's illegal. And, of course, I realize I could be tightroping across the fine edge of the law. 
We'll have to see. I've seen some pretty dusty, uh, I did say dusty, not dusty, dusty things uh, pull out of ordinances, you know, when they pull the book off the shelf in the city on us and they blew off all the dust and begin to tell me that, you know, I couldn't go to the loading ramp past 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, well, then, you know, there's not going to be anybody to help because they're all out there after 5 o'clock because they're all coming in from work. And so, uh, and then they shut us down and I said, well, all you're doing is making a bunch of people that were going to get fed hungry. I said, I hope you're proud of yourself. And, uh, but it's amazing what people can get all of a sudden. Boy, they got their finger on chapter and verse, don't they? And they had their finger on the ordinances. And uh, I think I told you before that they told us we couldn't, or the loading ramp is actually city property, and they told us that uh, we couldn't baptize on city property. So I said, okay. So we went across the street to Chubbs, and we put a water trough, and we baptized there. And that's how we did that. And then we brought others to the church here, and that's how we did that. So, uh, you know, it's been said, where there's a will, there's a way. And I believe we have the will of God, and He is the way. So, you know, we're just ahead of this thing. We just got to stay after it and keep our heads up and be happy in the Holy Ghost. So anyway, that's how it was for Noah, because they got on the ark, and the very thing that was destroying the world was saving the people who were in the church. And as the water drowned them, the water lifted the church, the ark. And that's where the Bible tells you the light figure. There's that shadow and type of those figures, those patterns. The light figure whereunto baptism, that's water baptism, doth also now even save us. And it has nothing to do with the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but it has everything to do with your conscience, has everything to do with God dealing with sin. And he knows how to get rid of sin. I'm glad God knows how to get rid of our dirt and that he's standing ready to do that. He's not hesitant. He's not balking. He's not backing up. He's not looking at you and saying, man, you're just too bad. I can't deal with you. That's not the case at all. Uh, Paul, who became the Apostle Paul, he was Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, he said that he was set forth as a pattern, first and foremost, as the chiefest of sinners. So just remember, you think you're bad, there was somebody who was worse, and God saved him. And God called him, and he became an apostle, special messenger of the work of God, the word of God. So have, have hope, have faith, be optimistic here, and just realize the power that's contained in the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross, that it can wash away all of your sins, get rid of all of your dirt. And so, when the ark uh, came down as the flood waters had abated and uh, God had Noah and his family to come off and begin a reproduction process and the earth was ready to get moving again, population getting moving again, then there came a time when, uh, skipping ahead, fast forwarding here, that God uh, dealt with a man by the name of Moses. And he trained him for 40 years in the backside of the desert and commissioned him and sent him forth to do a certain task, and that was to go get his people out of the world or out of Egypt. And so Moses did. And upon bringing them out, as you know, sins don't always just want to let go, or patterns or habits, you know. told you many times, I'm definitely a creature of habit. I can find myself driving to the church house, and I'm supposed to be going a complete opposite direction. 
But I'm just a creature of habit. I'm used to coming here. I don't even have to think about it. You know, I'm, if I'm on the phone and I'm distracted about what I'm should be, where I should be going, I'm, I'll just automatically come here. <laughs> creature of habit. Well, I'm saying that we are creatures of habit, and we find ourselves by the nature of our flesh doing the, developing the wrong habits, going in the wrong direction, going to the wrong places, doing the wrong things. And we don't have to give a lot of thought to it. Our nature just naturally goes that way. And so God said, I'm going to give the law because it was a very lawless time. And uh, God began to set things up. He set up dietary laws. He set up laws for worship. He set up laws for uh, how to live, civil laws. He wanted to put some civil or civility in civilization. And uh, things were pretty wild. Things were pretty woolly. Sometimes people wonder why God took some extreme measures because, because man's nature was not only weak and base, but also because it was aided and abetted by uh, the devil who had been thrust out of heaven, and woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for Satan hath come down unto thee, knowing that he hath but a short time. And he's going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. It's time for you to quit giving him permission to, to make mincemeat out of your life and, and give you a bunch of confusion and destroy your life. And here you are trying to get up on your feet, and you're trying to go forward, and you're, you're trying to improve yourself. And you know what? To a certain extent, we can do that, but only up to a point. There are some things you and I can't do, no matter how good we behave ourselves, no matter how educated we become, and sometimes our education isn't even that good, and I don't mean because of poor education, I mean because of what we're being educated to. There's many problems and unrest in America because of the college education and because of what's been put in them for many years and shaping and molding until finally those grew up and they became professors. And then the professors started teaching the students and, and you know, and it kept on going on until you've got generations now that look like they don't like America. Well, you know what I say, if you don't like America and the way things are done over here, bye-bye. Go wherever you want to go. You think Cuba's so great, go down there and meet Mr. Castro. He'll show you to, you to a, last, a last inner dungeon of his prison. He'll love to put you in there if you don't agree with him on everything that he does, okay? And he, you won't have any freedoms. You won't have any of that. Whatsoever. You have a cell phone. Sorry to grab one. <laughs> Don't have it. It's not on my hip today. My, my microphone's on my hip. But, uh, you know, here, you can get a cell phone down there, but you won't have any money to buy the contract or the minutes. And that's what they said themselves reported in the newspaper. Okay? So uh, I've often asked some of these dictators in these countries, what good have they done for the regular people, except put them in jail and take away their freedoms, and that's it, you know. Well, somehow, they're trying to convince us here in America that we ought to be like them, you know. When I feel like, no, they ought to try to be more like us, and we all ought to try to be more like God, and then everything's going to be all right. <laughs> everything will be just fine. Everything will be just fine. The cultivation of or to improve is a definition, one definition of the word culture. And really what I'd like to work on this morning for just a little while and get it started, and hopefully next week I'm going to have a handout for you to put in a, a binder and you can keep it for your very own self. It will be free. And, uh, but I want to work on this culture situation. You know, uh, I want you and I to realize that God began to set things in order. 
He was setting up a culture. He was setting up uh, that which would improve, okay? He was trying to develop. Everybody said develop. And he was trying to refine minds and morals. He wanted to do this uh, for mankind, but he was setting things up in a shadow, in a type, or a preview, or a figure of things to come. Because everything in the Old Testament, those 39 books, Genesis through Malachi, was to bring you to Christ. That's what your Bible teaches. That it would be a schoolmaster to bring you to Jesus Christ. And that's what the plan was. That's why when God told Abraham, take your son, thine only son, and offer him. You know, somebody told me one time, God didn't sacrifice his son, or God didn't have Abraham sacrifice his son. Read your Bible. Well, Mr. Smarty Pants ought to read it because it never used the word sacrifice to begin with, okay? But he brought his son, his only son, according to God's wishes, to the top of the mountain for to worship and to offer, okay? And so he did. And he went to the furthest extreme in obedience when the angel of the Lord appeared right on time and said, okay, you passed your test 100%. Now I know. <laughs> And somebody preached and said, well, God didn't know until then. And somebody really made a bad mistake on that day. Because God knows everything. All right? You've got to learn God's lingo and God's language of the Bible. All right? So the test was being given. And uh, even Isaac asked, the son, he said, hey, uh, we got the wood. We got the means to make the fire. We got everything going on here. He said, uh, where's the, the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? <laughs> and so, well, you know, it does just come down to us. We've got, to, we've got to make some sacrifice here. We've got, to, we've got to sacrifice our ambitions and our pursuits and our wants, things that we put ahead of God. We've got to get to a place where we say, God's first, and I need to recognize that. I need to make him first in my life. I need to uh, begin to look towards him and get that taken care of first. And then it's, it teaches you that everything will be added unto your life, every good thing, God is going to make provision. He's going to do things that you really can't do on your own. He's going to put your life in order, okay? And we often fall back into the same old pattern, the same old mistake over and over and over again. And you know I love to tell the story about the thumb, right? Especially for my guys that are always using their thumbs to play their games. Thunder thumbs, we call them. They're either playing a video game or they're texting, one or the other, you know. And uh, I told you that the, the guy in the church, he was working on the job, and he, he hit his thumb, and he, you know, cried out, and in between trying to suck his thumb, he, he's telling God to heal him. And so God did. Pain went away, blood stopped, okay, he went back to work. You know? Hits it again, same process, same healing. Hits it again, same process, same healing. And so, you know, about the fifth time, God finally spoke to him loud and clear and said, move your thumb. Change the pattern. We'll get a different result if you do. Okay? So you and I have to, we've got to change the pattern here. And God's pattern is the only pattern that doesn't need to be changed because God set it up right from the beginning. You and I want to learn God's pattern. We want to learn God's way of doing it. We want to learn, I don't want to learn the uh, Jewish culture. I don't want to learn the Chinese culture. I'm not interested in learning the Mongolian culture. 
I don't want to learn the culture of the Balkans or the French or the English or the, the uh, Jamaicans. I can't even understand Ru uh, Bruni, Roderick. I love Roderick, but when that boy gets to talking that Jamaican talk, I'm lost. I promise you that's a whole language all by itself. And I'm not even talking about Patois yet. If he ever kicks into Patois, I'm really going to be in trouble. But uh, I don't want to learn that culture. I don't want to learn even the American culture, whatever that is, because America is really an idea made up of people that have come from everywhere, you know, and that generations now have gone by and we've developed into something. But I'm not too sure that what we've developed into is not developed correctly. We've got to get God's culture, okay, and this is important. We've got to get God to improve us, and it starts with Him telling you there is no negotiation. You must be born again. It is necessary. It's got to be. You and I have got to be made a spiritual creation. A spiritual creation in Christ Jesus. All right? So, he said, he further broke it down. You know what they say? Break it on down. Well, he broke it down. He said, you've got to be born again of water and of the Spirit. So then we move into that and we begin to see that we are to be baptized in water. There is a tank back there with water, a baptismal tank. You are to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. It is for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And the blood carries away all your dirt from the God who is ready to pardon. Isn't that wonderful? He's ready to do it. He is just hyperventilating to get you baptized and buried with Jesus Christ. Get your dirt taken away and clean you up and gets you pointed and headed in the right direction. Okay, everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. All right. So, he said here, in teaching now in the book of Hebrews, which is a sister book to the Old Testament book known as Leviticus, where many laws were laid out in the Old Testament, civil laws and ceremonial laws and dietary laws, lots of different laws that were laid out. Now we have to come over to this New Testament. And we begin to see that in the Old Testament, they used the blood. They were told to use the blood of bulls and goats and heifers and so on and so forth. But And even the lamb. But we come to the New Testament and we find out that that could never take away sin. Couldn't do it. But it was there as a shadow and type. It was there as a schoolmaster. It was there of a figure standing for something. But now we're into the New Testament. We came into that New Testament when John the Baptizer was sent as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so John came doing that. And he was, he was rough and he was ready. And friend, he came preaching the word of God and he didn't worry about what anybody said was illegal. He preached the word of God. And he brought it to the people. Big burly soldiers that would lop your head off Big Roman world power soldiers. And friend, he taught them the truth. He preached the message to them. And he told them to do violence to no man. Came right against their training and their teaching. The culture that they were raised up in from birth. Some of them were separated. And they were told, you're going to be a, a soldier. And you're going to learn how to use this sword. And this other kind of weapon. This other kind of weapon. That was their life. That was the culture that they were brought up in. But Jesus came to improve that. 
Jesus came to take away the physical sword, for it is written, the weapons of the church are mighty through God. They're not carnal, natural weapons, but they're spiritual weapons. And so Jesus said, you learn to love your enemy. You learn to bless them that curse you, and so on and so forth. He began to give a different law. He began to give a different teaching of his culture, the heavenly culture, the thing that you're going to need to learn, that you're going to come out of sin. You're going to come out of darkness. People that sat in darkness. People that were just lost in the dark there. And a horrible pit of quicksand and quagmire of sin and darkness that you're going to be brought out of that by a mighty and high arm of the Almighty God through the salvation. And he said, you're going to repent. That's what he taught them. There was only one gospel, one gospel that he ever gave to his church, the type of the ark, his church, the body of Christ. That, that means there's a body of believers that are made up of men and women, boys and girls, that believe the one gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection that Jesus Christ gave to them and said, go teach this to all the world. Teach it to everybody. And whosoever believes will not perish. Isn't that wonderful? You've got to start to believe what he's saying. And you've got to get what he's saying. And what he's saying, most importantly, for you to remember, three things. We often go over that here. Three things. Everybody said repent. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those three things. If you, if you miss something over here or miss something over there, but if you get those th three things right, giving to you by doing those three things, the born-again experience, which is the salvation of God, then you're a good way down the road, friend, and going towards heaven, let me tell you. And the rest of it is Romans to Revelation. And that's where you're going to learn the culture of God. That's where you're going to learn now that I'm called to be a child of God. Now that I'm in the body of Christ. Now that I have the salvation. Of God, now that I am saved from sin. This is how I stay saved from sin. God delivered me from drugs. This is how I stay delivered or saved from drugs. And whatever other sin type pattern or creature of habit thing you want to put in there. God changes your life for the good. He improves the cultivation of, to improve the development of and the refinement of morals, okay? And God's going to do that for you. He's going to refine your mind. He's going to help your mind, your heart. He's going to get the bad stuff out and put the good stuff in. You know, God does not leave, take out the bad and just leave you empty. He fills you with His Holy Spirit. And then he begins to teach you and train you to become a good soldier for Jesus Christ, who again is not uh, holding a, 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 a Glock or a, some other AK-47 or whatever. You're going to have the weapons of God's warfare. You're not going to live a violent, hateful life, killing others and getting killed yourself. You're going to live a life that will bring people to Jesus, and we're all going to go to try to make it to heaven ourselves. Everybody said amen. amen. It's the sum total of the attainment and learned behavioral patterns. That's what culture is. It's the culture of God that we want. I don't want to, I really don't want to learn how all these countries do it, how all these nations do it, how all these different 
nationalities do it. I, I'm not interested in their culture. I'm not going to Indian Day, and I'm not going to Italian Day. I'm not going to those things. I don't want to learn how they dance. I don't want to learn how they, what masks they wear and what things they do. I'm not interested in that at all, okay? What I'm interested in is God's culture. Let me learn about the church. Let me learn about the body of Christ. Let me learn the dietary laws. Let me learn the ceremonial laws. Let me learn the worship laws. Let me learn the sacrificial laws. Let me learn the things that are going to improve me spiritually and get me to that place called heaven. And everybody said amen. amen. Well, you've heard the phrase short and sweet. Well, that's what mine is this morning. We have something special for you this morning, and we're going to move on into this service. I got, I got upbraided by one of the sisters in the church because last week on the radio broadcast I played a second song besides our entry, intro song and outro song, which only lasts maybe three minutes, uh, split up, a minute and a half, and then a minute and a half at the end. And, they, and I played this other song, and I, I did it as a special treat, and brother, I heard about it. I said, I didn't care about that song. I wanted to hear you preach. I said, okay, okay, okay. I, I hear you. So when I went in today, the, the radio guy said to me, you going to play uh, more music today? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I said, no, I've been dressed down. I'm not going to do that. I said, no, um, my preaching is backed by popular demand. So here we are. Let's stand together. We love you. We're going to sing a little chorus and get ready for a special presentation by popular demand. All right. God love you.
of them together. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Evan. God bless you all. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. God bless the offering in Jesus' name.